Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. We are in the season of chaos. It can feel like everything is happening at once. You might be sprinting across an airport. Or around your kitchen with a few too many dishes cooking at once. Your phone keeps pinging, a text from your mom, a weather alert, more and more breaking news. Online conspiracy. Reeling from the devastating floods. From targeting the electric grid. You might feel trapped. Political violence. Devastating effect. A violent clash. I can't think of anything more chaotic than a Fry's advertisement before our sermon this morning. (laughs) Perhaps the political advertisements may be a little more chaotic. Well, all of this, what Lucy just read to us, the little sound effect we had at, uh, at the beginning of the latest Through Line podcast, sounds like the beginning of a very, very scary story. Or maybe even it's something that we have conjured up in our worst nightmares. Imagine living your life, going about your daily routine, and being unaware of a seismic change that was eminent. And yet, 2020, 2021, and 2022 has taught us that the possibility of this change is nothing new. I find it interesting that this passage is what opens up this year's liturgical cycle of Advent. And for those of you who practice the ritual of Advent, I wonder what images do you conjure up Which symbols, what rituals do you associate with this time of the year? I imagine it's not the images of a thief prowling outside your house, your front door being torn off of its hinges, or hearing a stranger's footsteps on your stairs. What about even losing your most prized possessions or your most loved comrades? Well, they don't sound like what I want to be thinking about again this time of year. And yet these are indeed the images that our gospel reading for this first Sunday of Advent give us. A homeowner caught off guard, a house being broken into, and our closest loved ones being taken from us suddenly. It indeed paints a picture of chaos and emphasizes fear. And if you think about it, it's not unlike the era that we find ourselves in the midst of now. 2022 might indeed be defined most notably by the omnipresence of disaster. Plagues, droughts, floods, toxic air and water, wars, massacres, famines, Earthquakes, heat waves, wildfires, recessions, dust storms, depotism, 
episodes of mass gun violence one right after another. These slow motion nightmares are crashing into fast moving catastrophes, each one amplifying the next. This beloved community is some scary stuff. It's disorienting, it's unsettling. And to recognize the power of these frenzy moments for us to individually and collectively transform, it's not meant for me or for us to glorify or even downplay the chaos that we seem to be in the midst of. In fact, it's the opposite. The recognition is grasping at the possibility of hope while believing in Jesus, God, or a religion. And even these things sometimes may not appear to ease the struggle of the present, but we know from experience that it can and it will. The steady breakage of the world around us, the falling apart of our understanding of how we currently practice Christianity might actually be an opportunity to see that another world is coming and we, we have the ability to shape it. These fearful events, these apocalypses, these rock bottoms of all various kinds can be both endings and beginnings at the very same time. And when these events occur, new beginnings almost always suggest themselves. And so with this passage opening up this Advent season, it is as if we are being beckoned to reject the shallow sentimentality and the false cheer that comes with the season. The gospel message is meant to startle us out of complacency, not find ourselves swaddled in clothes underneath twinkly stars next to fleecy lambs, but it's here to beckon us that Jesus is indeed a restless and relentless pursuer of each of us. So I want us to explore what all of this means by looking closely at what Lucy just read to us moments ago. This week's gospel is a reading that is both a connective story within a connective gospel. And like most biblical narratives, it's not written in the moment that the events happen. In fact, it happens many, many decades later. The biblical writers situated the life and the ministry of Jesus to speak to their particular audience who were experiencing their particular events that were shaping their lives, just as I am attempting to do for you all right now. Matthew's account is biographical in nature. It locates the life of Jesus within the context of world events and leaders that impact Jesus' story. And Matthew's narrative is first heard in the light of the destruction of Jerusalem, an event that was as significant to the people of the writer's day as the flood was in Noah's. No one, indeed no one knew that that day was coming. The writer uses the rhetorical strategy of referring to a past tragedy to make a point about the need for watchfulness at that very present moment. The image of being taken should haunt us because no one wants to imagine that critical community members or even our way of living our daily life can disappear so very quickly. 
And yet, our way of living day-to-day life and our fellow beings disappear every day. In fact, many of you know that or don't know that morally most of us here in the United States sometimes don't reckon with the fact that people disappear through our systems of incarceration, through ICE immigration, through murders, through kidnappings, through foster care, to loneliness. We lose someone every day. In fact, we can even possibly look at our supply chain issues as a result of a critical moment of when our workers, our essential workers, are still disappearing because they're experiencing these stages of the COVID pandemic. This should actually compel us. Who and what are we satisfied with being taken? Who or what takenness moves us into action? And perhaps for a larger scale or on a larger scale for this congregation, this gospel could be seen as a church and a people in transition and in need of a process of defining who they are and what they want to become. So here's a question for our new liturgical season. What do we do with this passage? I want to feel goosebumpy. I want to be swaddled up under twinkling stars next to lambs. But I I propose that perhaps we should recognize that this particular passage beckons us, calls us, asks us to realize that we are indeed asleep. And it's so hard, so very, very hard to accept the fact that we are not awake. Not woke, awake. That we're missing profound spiritual realities because we are fast asleep in the ordinary and the mundane. Oftentimes we want to believe that the status quo will save us. We want to believe the business as usual will be good enough to keep us attuned to God. We want to pretend that our Christianity will actually never require anything hard or costly for each of us. And yet, the message for Advent this year is wake up. Keep watch. Wake up. The call of the season is to recognize that we're not paying attention to what really matters. We are called to confess that we are alive and yet so dangerously asleep. Perhaps, perhaps, beloved community, we can surrender our certainties in this time. I think that if we think we have religion pinned down, we have Jesus all figured out, or we think we know what we can do to feel safe or unsafe when we are sure or unsure of something, well then indeed we are in for an unpleasant surprise. We know that all people desire to be sure of something, to want to be safe, because we do all deserve the feeling in our bodies to be safe. And for some of us, or most of us, part of that feeling safe is our ability to plan out our daily activities without any interruption, 
without any change, without anything happening but what happened the day before and what can happen the day after. We know that people often make their choices about safety due to their past experiences. And sadly, our passage this morning uses or engages us with a sense of fear, a sense of panic, a sense of existential dread in order to make a point. And the writer tells us if the owner of the house had known what part of the night the thief would have come, for sure they would have stayed awake and they would not have let their house get broken into. And here we are, this passage seems to illuminate a unique political project to fashion religion and order into buddies. Something changed. Something surprised them. Beloved community, how do we balance being watchful with a healthy sense of practical future planning? And, this is the most important, a healthy sense of delight in the moment. Well, let me propose one kind of way for us today, and that is hopeful community. This passage, like so many of the experiences Jesus embarks in, emphasizes the quest for identity through the impact of marginalized people. The theme is already expressed by the theological concepts of faithfulness and law and of the destiny of God's people. In this week's scripture, Jesus implies that how we live our lives will indeed impact our faith. Jesus calls us to be ready. And in that call, it does not mean that Jesus is dismantling the communal nature of discipleship of the kingdom of God. It is in fact that Jesus deconstructs and recenters the kingdom itself by claiming that belonging in that kingdom is not your inheritance, it is not your birthright or an ancestral lineage, that belonging to the kingdom of God comes by God's inclusive invitation to every living creature. The season of Advent invites remembrance and anticipation of that inclusive invitation, a hopeful community. It is a season that holds the certainty of the past and the predictability of the future with our choices in the present. I believe that the stealthiest danger in our world shaken by calamities might be that calamity itself becomes ordinary. That we learn to cope with chaos and calamity from day to day, but we lose our ability to imagine and dream and act beyond it. This is what this week's passage is indeed warning of us. We are not awake. We choose to be asleep and to be comforted all while knowing and witnessing that disaster is at our very present and we know it will indeed be our future. And yet, we have the ability to know 
that the certainty of a vastly changing world can help us keep alert to the possibility, the vast possibility of God's love. During Advent, we are called to make room for the long-anticipated Christ that beckons us to be alive and awake in the world, to prepare a beautiful space for a beautiful new life, even as scary and full as conflict of this story and our world might be. Let's follow Jesus' lead and follow hope and joy and know that they do not have to be in opposition to repentance. Perhaps the challenge of our age is to find that joy and the joy in turning towards God means that we can finally walk humbly, that we can finally love mercy, and we can do justice. We can dream and we can act towards creating the conditions for change. I know some that the vision of Jesus gives us in this passage may seem grim, but like in the days of Noah, it's the promise of a reset that indeed enables a renewal, a refreshing and a restoration of God's good creation. And unlike the days of Noah in the days to come, we have agency. We have the power to extend an open invitation to participate in crafting the end of our own story. What if? What if we lived our lives holding the past and the future vision in mind as we choose our present actions? So my question for you as we go forth is, how then do we do this hopeful community? We have been witness to the discovering that human beings' most foundational resource for coping with crisis is the network of people around us. At every level from households to governments, the breadth and the strength of the bonds among its members can be what determine our ability to repair and reimagine ourselves. Each catastrophe is a test of what kind of society we've built. Each recovery offers a chance, however fleeting, to build another one. And as the world changes, so too does our language and our understanding about our social webs of significance. So then, what if, starting this season and going throughout all of 2023, what if we approach our neighbors, the ones we choose in the NIMBYs, that's the not in my backyard, with our hands and our hearts and our minds wide open? What if we empty ourselves of all pre preconceived notions of God and train our hearts to expect the unexpected? Perhaps then we will be able to receive the real Jesus with joy when he appears. If any delightful notion can be gleaned from this text, perhaps it's the reminder that we are simply going about our daily lives until we cannot. 
Who we choose to be in the field with or grind our meal with is up to us. The keeping awake might not need to refer to a hypervigilante state of awareness in which we tend to police bodies where we notice our blood pressure and our cortisol levels elevated. Indeed, we can learn from the New Testament that keeping awake refers to the state of being alive right now on Mother Earth. What if we can simply be alive on Earth rather than keeping watch? What kinds of dynamics make it safe for you to be alive rather than being aware? We all live in a world where our future will always be uncertain. And that, comrades, beloved community, should cause us to think more mindfully about the time that we spend. Perhaps one way to be ready is to delight in each other's presence while we have it. One of the common themes in this week's text involves an embodied expectation toward a freer, a more peaceful, and a more hopeful reality with the anticipation of a shift in which an otherwise place is made accessible. An otherwise place is made accessible only to those who are daring to believe it possible. Hope. The reality is always near, always looming, always hovering above the depths of our suffering and chaos. And as we embark on Advent, as we mark off our Advent calendars, let us be reminded that especially the most marginalized among us are always awake for the desire of the incarnate coming of liberation, for believing in Jesus, letting God's inclusive invitation to become embodied within each of us might not always ease the struggle of the present, but it will and it could. For we are called to be awake, alive. We are called to be awake to a world that is ever-changing, a world that we have a chance to shape, to develop and to cultivate that language of our social webs of significance that is inclusive of all of God's creation. For indeed, we are called to be hopeful. For what if, what if we hope the possible is probable? What if? Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at beatitudeschurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.